Hello and welcome once more to Country Roads Confidential. I am your host, Chris Anderson, publisher of Earsports.com, the West Virginia site on the 247sports.com network. It's holiday season. A lot of people are traveling. Uh, Mike and I are not yet, but we're going to try to make your travel easier. So we have spent the last five hours, it feels like, recording podcasts for your listening pleasure. I hope you have been listening to them. Our all-decade teams for football on offense, all-decade football team defense, our all-decade basketball team, which went off the rails a little bit and went a little long, but that's okay because we had a ton of stuff to talk about. And now today, we're going to talk a little bit about what it was like to cover Neil Brown in the first year of the Neil Brown era. We are almost uh, quite literally at one full calendar year of uh, Neil Brown at West Virginia. For me personally, it was my very first time with a coaching change. My career started at the same time as Dana Holgerson. So this is the first time I've gone through a coaching change. Thankfully, I work with a wily old vet who's been through a few of these before. Uh, Mr. Mike Casaza. Mike, how are you? I'm good. This feels weird because you're first this time as opposed to me. But this feels right because you were here before me in general. Um, uh-huh. And also like so much of this like whole quote unquote journalism thing is still, it's not new to me. I'm in my third year here at this, but like there's so much more latitude and like conversation, truly a social media, like on our website that didn't really exist in newspapers. Even, even though I had the blog that got really running back there and I, I missed that and the people there, but like the constant round the clock stuff on our message boards and like just the, the feedback that we get and the information we get inundated with and how we get to got to do something with it, even if we vet it and there's nothing to it. Um, that's as much a part of, I think, what we're going to talk about today, too, is I didn't really have a lot of that early in my career period. And then early in when I really got in with the staff and with Holgerson and his crew. Um, but it changes things now. And there's good and bad with that, too. But um, you're much more smooth around the edges on stuff that I am. Apparently, I'm the, the square peg around here sometimes. <laughs> uh, I guess that's one way of putting it. Yeah, I've been around the old hang, hanging by the blog and just chatting with whatever you want to say and for better or worse, I guess, um, uh, that helps in some areas. And then sometimes you get angry phone calls at two in the morning. Cause why are you posting random stupid stuff on your message board? Um, but that's just the way it is. It's what people want. And that's what we're going to try to give them. So here's my uh, vow. I yes. am promising, promising. I'm not going to get too preachy and soapboxy here too. Cause I tend to do that sometimes. Cause like a lot of stuff I see makes me mad and disgusts me or just disappoints me one or the other. Um, have I mentioned that I, I teach a journalism class on campus? Uh, you have. <laughs> um, and I think sometimes I get inside my head there, too, is like I want to like act like I would tell people to act. And for some reason, they put me in charge of that, you know, once a semester for many years in a row now. Um, but also, that's a good check for me sometimes. And maybe I should practice what I preach. But my vow here is not to preach too much. All right. I'll hold you up on that. We'll see right. how it goes. We'll check back in an hour. We'll keep a scorecard and let you know. Sure. An hour. Um, yeah. Well, hey, we said that before we got on in the basketball podcast. I think we said, oh, that 20, 30 minutes, maybe 40. And uh, we went, what, an hour and 10, hour and 15 on that one? But you think so, about it, it's as much as we did for football. We just broke it down into two for football. True. But we also went through, what was that, 50 some players on football and, and 13 for basketball. And the reason we did two for football is because we figured people didn't want to listen to a 75-minute podcast. <laughs> there <Oops>. you go. <laughs> uh, you get no choice. You will take your 75-minute podcast, and you will enjoy it. Um, who knows how long this won't go because uh, I think it's an interesting conversation. I had several people ask me about it with the from the recruiting aspect, uh, and there were absolutely differences. But for team stuff, um, you know, you obviously handle the vast majority – of our team, our team information, our team stories, our communication with the team about in-season related stuff, off-season related stuff, not necessarily recruiting. Um, so how, where do you want to start with this? Am I going to put you on the spot to say in one word, oh. how is it different? Do you want to go, you want to start there? Where do you want to start? I'll let well, you start. Let me say this. I think it's, 
it's a good topic because so many people wondered about it. Like I get asked that a lot, whether it's at Christmas parties or whether it's at lunches or people I email with or talk to on the phone or whatever. Just it seems like in various walks, people say, hey, what's a new guy like? You know, are you getting along with him? It's, is it different? Is it better? Is it worse? But also part of it is, too, is um, I, I don't think that it's, it's any stretch to say that there's a much more open embrace to the outside with this staff right now. Um really um, visible with social media, really interactive. Um, example, on signing day, um, the Smoking Musket account, something offhanded like a tweet, like I'm going to write a story about how Neil Brown owns one suit and had a picture. And Brown <laughs> does get caught in this um, in this uh, gray suit a lot. And Brown replied and said, hey, that's funny, but you know, neutral colors are the best, so on and so forth. Holgerson had blocked the Smoking Musket <laughs> for for quite some time and that's by no means a total explanation of things but i think it's an illustration of how things are a little different so i think people want to know hey is it true what's it like because people who do um see the open arms and are welcome to come in you know they can only get so close through you know 280 characters or through a a post on instagram or a post on facebook or you know something like that but i think that we're kind of a conduit about hey what is it really like getting to know them um, so I think it's a good question. I think it's a really topical one, even though, like you said, we're about a year into this now, but it's been pretty consistent too. I mean, they've been visible and willing to engage in a lot of areas. I think, uh, determined to do it. I think it's pretty authentic. Um, it's made my job harder and easier in some spots, which I'm sure we'll get into, but I think that's the interest. I mean, that's the big change around here. I mean, never mind the change of the guy at the top and the people beneath him, but, um, exactly how they operate. I think that's a big difference as far as, as far as like their, uh, participation in and their support of media. Are you, uh, I think we're going to have to put a disclaimer up here that you get a lot of attaboys. Good job, Mike. Good question, Mike. I think this might be influencing your opinion here. Um, a lot of compliments. Uh, I, do you feed off that, uh, that positive feedback, Mike? Is it, is, is that why it makes your job easier? Well, I thought I, I thought it was clear that I hated him because <laughs> Well, this is how this is kind of a funny thing. Like initially when the change happens, um, like I I knew Holgerson very well because I covered him for so many years. And um, when that changes, people assume there's going to be resistance or it's going to be a struggle or whatever. And I don't know, maybe I have no control over that. But I think the initial things that I wrote, people kind of ingested that there was a negative slant on it. And it wasn't, it wasn't my opinion. Like I just kind of in the moment on stuff. And I think people were very enthusiastic about stuff where I just, I, I don't, I don't, I can't get there. It's just, we're in, we're in different things. Like I type with my hands and people stick their other hands and foam fingers. Right. I get that. They can do that. But then like, it became that I was a fan of him. We had the whole like fan club joke or whatever. <laughs> and then like, it seemed like corresponding with the five game losing streak, all of a sudden I disliked him again. Um, and I don't know if that's actually true or not, but it seems to me like I try to be even on stuff, but I don't know when they're low, you got to be low. And when they're doing well, you got to, you got to high five them too. So, um, there was a lot of different moments of that this season too, but, um, yeah, the fact that he knows my name and compliments me on questions, it's cool that he knows my name and it's cool that I can actually get a good question out where sometimes I ramble and stumble. doesn't really change the way that I feel about it. I mean, they did a good job this year, but I think it's still year one. I think there's a lot left. Well, and for you, your comparison isn't just Neil Brown to Dana Holgerson uh, or this this regime to that regime. Uh, you were also here for the Bill Stewart era. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were here for the uh, most of right most of the Rich Rod era. Most of it, half of it. In, in one capacity or another, like I was a student for some of it, and then I was in the student newspaper, and then I worked at the Dominion Post. But when I was at the Dominion Post, I was mostly high schools when he was here. And then at the very end, I covered it full time for one year. So, but yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of bridges, right? And is this where we plug your book? Have I, I mentioned what? I wrote a book? <laughs> uh, so you've you've been around. You've seen multiple transitions from multiple angles with multiple regimes what i know i'm sure it's obviously a lot of personalities going in here and obviously in different points in your life as well but how do you how do you compare them what, what is there a common thread just let's start with that is there a common thread uh from each coach coach and his staff to the next i would say no <laughs> I, and i mean that too because well i think that when neilan left 
they were trying to find somebody who could lift it into the the next generation, so to speak. Football was at that kind of a, a, a transitional phase. And, you know, I'm not sure if he was like the slice bread assistant, but Rodriguez was a really big name. Um, and I think that for good and bad, he pushed for a lot of stuff that was going to deliver the program into that new generation. And that rubbed people a long way and that contributed to his downfall. Um, the transition was... I've written a lot about this in my book and in just print in particular, but like that was a really sloppy transition that was rushed and it didn't have to be. Um, and because it happened that way, that was used against Bill Stewart for a long time. Um, and then I think that to get back on the plane where Rodriguez had left the program, it required somebody who was similar to Holgerson, excuse me, um, Rodriguez. And that was Holgerson. That was kind of, again, like your sliced bread assistant coach who was going to get this back on the arc of what college football was. Brown's a little different again, too. Um, the program was, I still think, was in a good place. I imagine we'll probably talk and argue about this, but like, I still think it was in a good place. It was in a Power 5 conference. It wasn't in jeopardy of losing its spot. Um, but I think that there were some continuity things and some consistency issues. And I hate the word culture, but I think that does apply here a little bit. I think there were some things that people who were making decisions or who were signing off on decisions wanted to get. But a lot of those things were still in place. So there's not really one thing that unites them all, except the fact that sooner or later, everybody's going to get tired of them. Right. Well, that's what I, and that's my next question. I feel like when you talk about coaches, as far as their scheme on the field and in practice, uh, if your team is struggling with an offensive coach, the knee jerk reaction is we need a defensive coach or the defensive coach. They struggle to get, Oh, we need an offensive coach now is, is this kind of the same with the personalities you feel like, or was it just kind of coincidence that um, their personalities kind of flip-flopped with each change? Well, I guess they're all offensive coaches. Stewart was an offensive coach who was probably more involved on special teams than anything else. But I mean, he coached different positions and he was always on the offensive side, but I think he was, he was capable of being, I would say him and Brown are probably the most capable of being a head coach at that moment. Um, they had both been head coaches before, so they knew what it was like to be in that chair. And Rodriguez, and especially Holgerson, took some time to get used to that. I would say Rodriguez did too, but he arrived at the top much quicker, um, which sounds like a weird thing to say because Holgerson won the Orange Bowl his first year, but then that was immediately followed by reality and some struggle. And remember, he wasn't supposed to be the coach that first year. So um, I do think that certainly Rodriguez and Holgerson are alike in that they had like these ambitious, high-flying, high-scoring offenses – and I think Brown and Stewart are alike in that. I think they're more like program guys. And what I mean by that is, like I said, more capable in that initial year of running a program. Not saying that they're going to be better coaches across the push of a tenure, but like at the first year, they were more capable of running a program. So, well, let's narrow the focus to to this year, to Neil Brown. Yep. Your first day, any the preconceived notions maybe, or or maybe what you had heard from – your media counterparts down in Alabama or anybody else that had dealt with Brown at a previous stop compared to what you actually witnessed and experienced firsthand. Was it, was there anything different than you thought? He's really authentic. I mean, that was the one thing too. Like I know guys who have worked for him and I think he knows that I know guys who have worked for him. Um, so I had pretty good Intel about what to expect. And like, I was trying to find like, all right, tell me the bad stuff about him. And that stuff never really came up. And I didn't encounter any of that this year. Like I don't have a cell phone number. We don't text or call back and forth. And that's maybe unusual for a reporter and a coach, but it's the first year. So maybe you got to earn that. And maybe he calls me one day to tell me something or yell at me or whatever, which either way I've earned that. Right. So Mm -hmm. that's stuff that I think comes along, but I also knew that was the way it was going to be that, um, that he does his business behind the podium and that's fine. And he's going to do his media stuff on his own thing. So I I knew that coming in, it's been by and large that way too. Um, He's kind of running things like he did down there where you talk to the coordinators and the assistant coaches, I believe were, were pretty much off limits and you would get periodic access to them, which we did. Uh, Not a fan of that. I like talking to guys and um, I don't know what like 20 minutes on a Tuesday is going to affect them on a Saturday. But I understand too, that if you want your guys focused on the game, they don't need to be talking to the media. So that's cool. But again, if that's what he did before he does now, um, that was kind of what I expected. Um, and he's been good with the media. Like he, he does his thing and he gives you answers. And, and when he doesn't want to talk about something, which isn't often, he puts it off, but he also gets back to it too. So, um, you know, functionally it's been fine this year, what I expected. And, um, again, I haven't had a whole lot of candid conversations with him, 
Um, like we we talked a couple of times and you saw this like recruiting things and friendly came over. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Surprised to see you here. Right. Kind of poking fun of me there because I was not a recruiting guy. Mm-hmm. I am now, though. I got my card in the mail the other day. Good. Yeah. Full fledged member, recruiting guy. Welcome uh, to the union. Yeah. But like also too, um, you know, there were hard questions that you had to ask this year. And I think that that's a dynamic that was strange this year is how much are people going to forgive in the first year? But, you know, you have to ask about things and. The, the obvious example is a flea flicker question. And like, he really took that in stride and he came back and he told a joke about it later too. And like, that's fine. Like, I don't think we're necessarily adversarial when we're in that room together, but you kind of have to meet the person at the height of the depth that they occupy at that moment. If things are bad. You have to ask the questions that are hard. If things are good, it's a lot easier to ask questions. Uh, why would he be adversarial? He was obviously right about the flea flicker, Mike. So. I don't know how he got that call in to Herman in time. Like, how did he get in touch with Tom Herman and say, I really got to make this reporter look bad. I need to know. Uh, how do you feel? Um, Cause you mentioned there, there were times for tough questions and is it a first from, from my perspective, I feel like he handled it well. Like he knew like, yeah, I know this sucked for instance, or that was a bad, this was bad play we should be doing better than this. And I'm going to answer your question. Um, and that didn't really happen uh, with Dana as in the later years. So my question is, do you feel like he's going to be like this if there's tough questions five years from now? Or do you think it's just a, he knows it's year one and he's, he's going to handle it well, but if it keeps getting tougher, it's going to get, he's going to get more curmudgeon I guess, like Dana was towards the end. I, I, we're all human, right? It's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I think that people are going to ask questions and that if there's a pattern, he's going to know that. And you know what? If they lose or if there's a coaching critique or if a player deserves um, some sort of a negative review or whatever, um, I think that he may look at people who continuously ask those questions and treat them in a certain way. And if there are people who are continually optimistic, naturally he's going to answer their questions a certain way. Um that, that's that's human, I think. And I think Holgerson had had a hunch about who was going to ask what. And, like, he knew that people were going to ask about injuries. And he hated to talk about injuries. So, like, I don't think he ever gave those people really good answers. And I think that sometimes if someone else had asked the question, he might have gotten a better answer out of it. But then again, the topic is what he hated, maybe not the person who was asking about it. I don't know what the patterns are right now. Um, okay. I think people were pretty were pretty friendly around and, and smooth around the – soft around the edges with him this year. And I think that he didn't really um, – I'm not, this is not a critique of the media. I just don't think that there were a lot of there were a ton of tough questions there this year because there was a general understanding that this was going to be bumpy at times too, and it wasn't necessarily like why did this happen. It was hey, how do you manage this situation? For example, the running game, the questions weren't like why is it so bad. It was bad, and he even said that like we're not good at it. Like that's going to have to take time. But like so, the question became how do you get better at it? And I think that's a better way to ask the question, and and that was good to see because. Um, Again, there were times where you really had to touch on topics that weren't fun or weren't like the most enjoyable things for him to get into and certainly to ask about, but phrased in a certain way they could be handled much better. And I think that was pretty, pretty convenient, pretty cool this year. Um, topic of conversation that I've had to touch on the last couple of days uh, with signing day and everything, but I, it obviously pertains to the team as well. And, and I want to start there. Access. Uh over the years, we've kind of seen it, and this wasn't just a Dana thing. It wasn't just a WVU thing. It's kind of been a all of – heck, it's not even just all a college football thing. It's all a sports thing where um, access is going down or at least uh, sanctioned access, I guess. Uh, and it, it was disappearing. You have to find new ways to get information, uh, which we obviously did over time. How has that changed uh, your approach, first off, the sanction part of it, the what's allowed, what's not allowed, and, and how you've had to kind of adjust with the new coaching staff. Well, we're definitely more welcome at practice. That was clear. Um, like more spring availability, more camp availability. Not a lot, but more, which is fine. And I don't know how much. I mean, there were full open practices, um, which is unusual. Like that was spring and the fall, too. Uh, I'm still upset that I wasn't allowed to go to the practice that was open to the students when I was, in fact, a student at the time. 
still bent out of shape on that one. Did you ever get cl- who, who made no. that call? Who made that call? Wasn't allowed in. I was furious. <laughs> uh, so I was in my grad school phase, and I was finishing up, and I'm technically a student. I wasn't allowed to go to the practice, but that was fine. I was busy. I had more important things to do that day, I guess. But in the professional role, like we were, yeah, I don't remember exactly what the numbers were, but I want to say like twice as much availability in the spring for like going able to watch parts of practice. Um, and then pretty much the same routine of when assistant coaches and players and, and the head coach were available. And so he just kind of jumped on the, the wheel there and, and let it spin to take them where it's supposed to go. But getting access in the fall is unique and unusual. We did a little bit of that. Now, is that a first year thing? Cause he wanted to do it and make some, some, um, you know, some bonds, maybe is it going to be a thing that happens every year? Don't know. But for the first year, that was fine. Um, again, like I just, I'm always going to want access. Like that's my thing. It's not like a problem with the process. I just think that access is good. Like that's what I do for a living is tell stories about the team I cover. It's a lot easier and more fun if I can do that if I'm around. So like, if you tell me I can't be there, I'm gonna be upset about it. So like on Wednesday, for example, the signing day thing, you know, they open, um, they open their arms to the world with this online show with assistant coaches and staffers and everything. And we get to ask questions from a, a podium to the head coach for like 25 minutes. We don't get any of the assistant coaches and staffers. So you're telling me I got to cover a TV show to cover the team? I'm not doing that, right? That's just, I don't want to do that. I'd much rather talk to the coaches and give my readers and my audience something that's new and different that they couldn't get somewhere else. Um, and that may be a, a direction they're going in the future. But I think when you look at just the organic way we report, um, generally, for practice stuff, more access. But when you look at like the the schedule in the week, the same as last year. So you're not a fan of state-run media? Is that what you're trying to tell me? I, I think that there's a, an argument to be made that it's going through. I, I don't know. This is a bold thing, I, I, but like I'm watching it happen. And I know that like the tier three thing is going to be different soon because of ESPN plus and maybe that maybe the nature of the relationship between the university and Learfield IMG changes. And maybe it's just the marketing um, signage, advertising rights, radio rights in particular relationship. And maybe West Virginia brings the production of these coaches shows and these magazine things that they do for sports. Maybe they bring that in house again. And if you look at how good they are with their social media and their promotional videos and, uh, just the way that they connect through Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, whatever Avenue YouTube, um, would I be surprised in a couple of years that they're doing like in-house media and like they have their own little publication or their own like website or whatever that's functioning and giving news from in-house no i wouldn't be surprised at all i'm not even sure it's a bad idea um i think that that's probably the direction these things are going now because all these places are way more capable of producing news and getting the news out to inform their fans and it's a lot more convenient than having to do it through the media you're still going to have stuff through the media but like as far as getting out what you want to get out if you can do it in the house why wouldn't you so i we talked there about the sanctioned availability, talking, asking questions. But the unsanctioned, yeah. <laughs> the behind the scenes, you know, sourcing and all of that, has that been differently? Obviously, it's, it seemed like you made a quick uh, transition from head of the Dana Holgerson BFF fan club to the head <laughs> of Neil Brown fan club. But uh, how how's that all working behind the scenes is it is it different like with because obviously then you're not just dealing with Neil Brown but other people um around the program has it changed yeah uh, and and not yes and not necessarily for the better but that's not necessarily a long-term thing it's the first year um it took me a long time to get to know and certainly for people to trust me and and let's be honest like if if Holgerson and Brown sat down and it was a completely candid moment of, hey, who should I talk to and who should I trust? He's going to do that. But if also Brown went around to try to figure out who's going to be looking under rugs and who's going to be looking through keyholes, that's going to be me. <laughs> just It just is. Like, I know that. And, like, and what's your natural response to that? Is, ah, that's kind of sneaky. Oh, that's kind of shady. But, like, that's my job. Like, if you build walls, I'm going to find my way over, around, through under the wall like that's just the way that it is and there are walls there there's walls everywhere so like that's just that's what i do i mean that's what i'm supposed to do and i think the very first conversation that brown and i had in his office he did say that he goes listen i understand what you do and i appreciate it and he also said that the first press conference he had in the fall was like i understand what you guys are doing i appreciate it just want to say that like you know I, i like what you do and i understand why you have to do it so i don't think that's ever adversarial but i'm sure i'm certain 
I'm certain that there were times this year where something came up and like, how do you find that out? Or I don't like that he knows that. And that there, there was probably some course correcting going on. I would assume I've heard, I would imagine that that's the case. So like, that's fine. But like, I also think that over time that, Oh, that's Mike. That's what he's doing again. Or, you know, maybe they'll cover the keyhole and maybe they won't sweep stuff under the rug or whatever. <laughs> but like, I'm still going to look like that's what I'm supposed to do. But like, I don't think that's any different. And maybe he hasn't dealt with people like that before. I don't know. I don't really know what his media thing was like at Texas Tech or Kentucky or, or Troy, but um, I don't think that I'm any different than anybody else in this walk. Am I? Well, I don't think so. No, I, I was, I, I was about to add, I was going to say, um, I think it was a year and two months before I got a 1 a.m. phone call getting cussed into I don't know what by the previous coaching staff. Um, and we're getting close to that deadline now, and I have not been yelled at like that with this staff. So I, I will say that's a plus. Maybe, But you said earlier that uh, you know getting information and getting yelled at is something you have to earn. So maybe I haven't earned it yet. Maybe I have to write something a, a little more salacious or whatnot to, to get that phone call. Have you gotten one of those yet? No, I have not. I make a lot of phone calls. And like one thing I tell them, I'll tell everybody this that I work with, like I'm never going to surprise you. I just don't think that's the way to do this. So if you get something, I don't think you should just go, aha, and throw it out there. Give them a chance to you no know, comment, no comment. Um, frequently too, what I know or what you know or what a reporter knows is going to be a fraction of the story. It may be nine-tenths. It may be one-tenth. Um, and the difference between getting the one-tenth out there and the nine-tenths out there can be really important, too. So sometimes getting with the coach, um, you'll get steered in a better direction where maybe one-tenth becomes nine-tenths. Maybe nine-tenths becomes ten-tenths, right? So they give you some information. Yeah, that's true. Or listen, that is true, but here's a condition to this or whatever. Um, and that's vague. I understand that, but it's just a practice. Do that. Don't surprise people. And I did that this year. And like, there was a process and, and generally it worked. There's one or two exceptions where I felt like, um, I just, I didn't get the response I wanted. It was kind of egg on my face and that's not going to happen again. Like, I know that now, like we're like, I'm going to, I have a way around that now and we haven't really swung and missed on anything since then. So I feel good about that. Um, but also like, I also don't think that there's been a whole lot of negative and bad stuff here. Like if we're talking about transfers or if we're talking about, you know, players who are getting injured, that's transactional stuff. That's everywhere. They're really like, what's the most salacious thing that's happened here? Was it Giovanni Stewart? Was it Martel Petaway? I was going to say, one of those were the only ones I think that were really, I mean, but again, like you said, that was just transactional. That's a good, a good use of the term, Um, but nothing. Yeah. Nothing too crazy. Now, if it comes out that like, if it comes out that there are serious things about like between coaches and players that are happening when someone leaves the team or after they leave the team and there are harder questions or they're more like there are more severe um, responses to what's written rather than like, oh, it's just another guy on the portal to, oh, that's how they do business there. I, I think maybe you would get a different reaction. there. We just haven't had that yet. But I also um, I don't think that they really get upset by boat rockers too much. I'm not sure that there's a, a huge quantity of them out there or anything like that, but the situation hasn't necessitated it yet. So I don't really know that, but I think that there's a process in place where you can talk to people and try to figure out what's the best way to do this that you think. And maybe there's a way between what they think and what you think that's in the middle that works too. But um, I haven't really had an issue with that yet. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Did I did I ever tell you that story about the? Uh, I have heard that story about the, getting yelled at at one in the morning. Thought yes. something horrible had happened. Get three straight phone calls in a row to ask me a question about a 
a story about one random recruit said one random thing in one random story. It's the it's the smallest thing sometimes that can touch off the biggest arguments. Um, I like that though too because um, let's just say that I did something wrong. Like let's let's just say that for example, like the Stewart thing that happened, Giovanni Stewart, and I hadn't called and I hadn't tried to get them to tell me what was going on, and they hadn't told me that, like, he's not going to play because of a personal issue. Well, mm-hmm. that's fine. If I just went out there and said, Giovanni Stewart's transferring, I'd probably get a phone call, and we probably talk. But that hasn't happened yet because there's the right ways to do things. We had a pretty early understanding on that, too. But I also think that, like, if someone does call you and says, hey, that's not the right way to do things. Let's do it. That's good, too. And I, I don't know this, but, like, maybe they maybe they aren't fond of, like, things that you or me or somebody else is doing in the media I haven't heard of anything where, like, where they've reached out like outlandishly and said, you can't do that, you shouldn't do that, you should do it better. So um, it, it may just be a, a hands-off thing with them. They may not want to tinker with that at all. I don't know. How do you feel about uh, – I, I don't want to say – I guess you already touched on it with more or less it's, it's Neil Brown answers questions – assistant co- uh, and then coordinators and that that's really it um is it a top-down approach what do you think what do you think is the purpose of that? i know you mentioned maybe having more time to focus on the week or whatever but as you noted it's only 20 minutes maybe if that if if you get a bunch of questions in a row or do you think it's more of a kind of a controlling the information that's getting out there kind of thing i just think in general it's it's let's keep it to the bare minimum that we can. So the head coach and the two coordinators, and that's it. Let's be honest. If you want fewer distractions for your coaches, uh, I, I shudder to think that 10 minutes with me on a Tuesday is going to cost you a game on a Saturday in Stillwater. Like, if I'm the difference and you win or losing that game, there are a lot of problems, right? Yeah. Um, but also, like, if you're trying to keep your assistants busy, wouldn't you think that the coordinators would be the two you want to have least occupied outside of their job? So that doesn't really sit with me. Like, I think that's just a thing like, we'll do this and that's fine. But like, and they did make one assistant available, I think, 10 times during the season. I think, I'm not sure that we saw like Chad Scott, for example, but like, I think maybe we did or we didn't, but they they brought people out, Sean Reagan, Jordan Leslie, Travis Drake, like all those guys came out at various points, I believe. So, okay. You get a little fresh meat every so often too, but I just, I mean, old staff, new staff. I don't like that. Like, I just like access. I like talking to people. It's not like a, it's just more of a problem with it than them um i would just rather talk to more people i will say this they had much greater access to players this year class schedules that's a bummer i get that but you know we weren't allowed to talk to players who were on campus their first year under holgerson that was his rule fine i get it that's the rule i can play ball um this year that started that way i believe that was what they wanted to do but the trouble was they had so many first year players true freshmen transfers who were important that they had to relax that rule and they did and like guess what Everybody won out of that. We got really good stories of freshmen. You got to know about guys like Tyke Smith or Austin Kendall or anywhere in between. I don't think there was any harm done there, too. So I'm glad that they did that. That's progressive to me, and I think I think that's a, a sign of how they how they are. They're, they're willing to do stuff. If it works for us, um, which also means it works for them, then it works. That, that response sounded drastically different than Cynical Mike, who first talked about the freshman coming out to talk uh i don't want to put words in your mouth but uh it was a ploy to distract everybody from the losing streak i think is uh is that what it was i'm older right now but I <laughs> but i uh, think you you didn't actually use those words i yeah. i made those words up for you well i think that was my sentiment but let's let's be honest that's shrewd that's smart it's like, very smart yeah like why wouldn't you do that like if you're losing four or five in a row but you got a couple guys who are playing well that are freshmen um, that's part of your story. And then that becomes your story. Like, Hey, this guy, yeah, they've, they're, they've lost four in a row, but wow, these two freshmen in the secondary are having nice seasons. Here's a story about them. That changes it. I can only write so many things in a week. And if you give me more good things to write than bad things to write, listen, if you get tired of reading bad things, believe me, I get tired of writing bad things too. Like, like my fingers bleed sometimes. So like, it, it's okay to put a smile on my fingers faces. So like, that's okay. I'm okay with that. So I, th- I thought that was, it was a calculated or, or, or uh, a coincidence, I don't know. But either way, it was a good thing. It was smart. Like I said, everybody won for that. People reading, people writing, and people who were behind the closed doors in the team. Uh, you mentioned things can change over time. Uh, not specifically to you know who you might talk to behind the scenes, but do you see any changes for better or worse coming, whether it's 
from Neil Brown's directive or West Virginia's directive or even just kind of the sport in general uh, dictating how media and the coverage will be over like the next couple of years? Ooh, that's a good question. I do think that they're going to find more ways to communicate directly with their fans. Like I said, it may be an in-house thing. Um, on signing day, Brown was pretty active on Instagram from what I understand um, with videos that he did. I don't know if there's time for him to do that during the season. I do know that once a week he does a sit down with, I'm not sure who it is, but somebody, somebody who does media with the team. It may be Dale Wolfley. It may be Dan Zangrilli. I'm not sure. Um, and it's, it's a video specifically for their donors. They're 1891 club. Um, and that's talking just to donors. So I think that's the way of the future. And I think that's, again, and to me, that's, eh, I don't know if dangerous is the right word or disingenuous is the right word, but like it concerns me as a, a neutral person in the media. But if you can communicate with people and you take the, the filter out about how a reporter, a columnist, a feature writer, a beat writer is going to perceive something and you get what you want out there in pure form, that's pretty smart. If you can do that, why wouldn't you do it? I do think you're going to see more of that because he's good at it. He has a capacity to see that, I think. And he's got really good people on his staff. And he 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 mentioned them all in his signing day thing. And I don't think that was by accident. I think he really appreciates their vision and their ability. And he has good people over there to do it. So I think that'll be part of it, too. I guess I'm also curious, like, I'm curious what happens when we get past year one, year zero, whatever you want to call it. Um, like, I just, I just don't believe in the year zero thing. Um, and I think that people are fickle about that. Because here, like, here's why. If... If after three years, let's say after four years, he is, let me see, how many games would that be? 51 games. Let's say they make three bowl games and they play 12 games this year. If he don't, is, forget, don't forget college football playoff and national championship, if you don't mind. Okay. So <laughs> let's, let's, say he's, let's say he's 26 and 25 after four years, right? 51 games, 26 wins. 25 losses. So he's one game over 500 after four years. Who from the year zero crowd is going to say, well, actually, he's three games over 500 because the first year doesn't count? Nobody. So we're going to judge him in the moment. And I, I just think that this, like, this thing this first year where it, it, it was so, it was such a fresh start, but it was also such a refreshing start that. People before it even started said, "Hey, Mike, check, take the ball, run with it." Um, I don't think he asked for that. I don't think he wanted that. Um, but that's what happened, and I think it's kind of phony because again, people aren't going to remember that. Like when it comes time to his contract is nearly up, extend him, don't extend him. We're going to argue about the merits at that moment, and no one's going to discount the first year. No one's going to say that first year doesn't count, even though they say it didn't count now. So what I mean by that is, like how over the top or how quickly will things go back to reality? I don't know. Like that's something I really want to keep an eye on this year because um, for me, it kind of made it hard to like write this year sometimes too. Is like, if you did critique something, it was like, well, Mike empty cupboard. They don't even get me started on that. But like, I just wonder like how quickly people, because as you know, Chris fans are um, a little fickle fanatic, right? And yes, they'll change yeah. sometimes too. And like the way we are on social media where if somebody makes a good point and it gets bounced around a lot, that becomes the point. I think it's kind of where year zero came from a little bit. And I'm not blind to the fact that there was a, a fresh start, refreshing start that was inevitable, but I just wonder how powerful it is, but also how long it lasts. Man, now I know how you feel and I know why Neil Brown does it. I asked you a question and you started off with, that's a good question. I just, now I want to <laughs> say, now I want to say something nice about you. Is, yeah. This is why Neil Brown does this to you. He's got you. He is playing you like a fiddle. Like, let me know. Um, speaking of fiddles, let me ask you, um, I came to a couple of the recruiting events this year because, it, I mean, it was a good way for me to get to see and to be seen as, as things got started. Um, and then other people in our profession did the same thing because it was a good idea. And we were actually talking to coaches and it was it was fun. Um, it seemed very normal to me because I hadn't had any experiences with them before to compare it to. But I also hadn't done that before. Um, you had done those things before and you're on the field with assistant coaches um, what seemed normal to me, was it normal or was it a bit of a change for you? No, I think this was, it was pretty normal. Like that was what it was like under Dana too. Like you go, you would go and you would hang out, you're watching these recruits, but it is a big opportunity to just get to know these coaches too. Like, yeah, you might be talking a little bit about information that you're looking for, but a lot of times it's just talking about life. 
you know, I connected with uh, just with a story about a mutual friend that he came from a small town in Southwest Virginia called Galax. And I said, oh, the old Fiddler's Convention. He said, how in the world do you know about that? Because there's probably, uh, I don't know, only a, a few hundred people that live around there and not that many more people know about that convention. And he actually went to school with somebody who went to uh, med school with my wife and that we've been friends with and we went to their wedding. So uh, it, just making weird connections like that and talking to, um, I, don't, I mean, I'm not throwing anybody's name out there just to drop names, but like who works in the department, uh, we were talking about vacation and I was saying my wife and I were going to Lake Tahoe and he had advice on all these places to go from his time when he was out at, uh, was it UNLV or, or something like that. And he had, yeah. So it's just like normal conversation, getting to know these people, uh, these coaches and these staffers as people. Um, so that, and that was something we did with the past staff. So I don't think it was that much different. Um, the information and their knowledge of, of certain things when it came to recruiting, I felt was different, but just kind of getting to know the the coaches and, and the access you have at those events was, was similar. I thought that there was like a pretty genuine interest in what we do and how we did it too. Um, yeah. I had a couple of conver- I won't say who, but cause I don't know if they want us to know or not. And I'm like, haha, I'm not telling you. I just, I just don't know if like they want that getting out there, but like, Hey, how does this work? How do you guys work together? Who does what do you do a lot of recruiting? Does he do a lot of football? Like how does it work? And like, you would get into conversations about visits and page views and things like that. And I was like, I didn't expect that to happen. I thought visits were like, in their parlance was limited to like officials and in homes and things like that. Not how many people come to our website and everything too. So they were curious about that, I think. But I also think like, like recruiting publications and maybe the media in general, it's a really big part of what they do. And I think that's why they're so big on social media too, is that if you're in front of these kids on their phones, um, that's a big deal. And a lot of these kids, they want to be in our database. They want to be in the rivals database and they want to have um, people looking at them. Too. Rivals. Ugh. Well, I mean, we're talking a lot about you and I here. I want to spread it a little bit. But like, <laughs> my point being is that like you got to fish where the fish are and, and that that's kind of like their business. Their livelihood is, is recruiting. And I don't know, it, it was kind of interesting to me that they took an interest in that right away. And just how does it work and how do you guys do it? Do you like it? Do you like what you're doing? Is this what you thought you were doing? And, um, like a bunch of them knew I had been working for newspapers for a while. And I, I was like, that's surprising. How'd you know that? Um, but then that led to questions about what's different about it. What's fun about it. And caught me off guard a little bit, but that means I, I know they're kind of invested in that part of their business too. Well, if only, uh, you know, practices were as open as the recruiting events, huh? It was a good time. Like I actually went there and learned a lot about it. It was kind of fun to put those things together too. But, um, you know, on the, the handful of times I did see the assistant coaches during the year, that was good. I'm not saying we didn't get to see them. Like, they had two lunch-ins with assistant coaches, and I even thought the second one was a little bit too much. Like, hey, we just did this. But so I'm going to complain about everything is my point. <laughs> it, it was it was good. Like, I think it was a good start. It wasn't hard to cover them. And, like, if you had something, um, there's natural stiff arms. They don't want you to know things. That, that goes for every team on every campus, I think. But it wasn't, like, brutal stuff and, like, being uh, – no lies, I don't think. Um, in your business, did they get too curious about you being out in front of stuff or being um, maybe being on the verge of reporting something that they don't want reported because everybody likes to coordinate their signing times and all that stuff? Or did you guys get an understanding pretty quickly? Uh, I think there's more or less an understanding on everything because even without you know talking to them about any of this stuff, just in general for – um, God, I'm, I'm going to call myself a respectable recruiting guy. Uh, you don't want to screw up uh, a kid's day when he's ready to announce. So there's been uh, uh, just hundreds of times over the last decade where I have known of a kid who has committed or is about to commit. And I just know I, I'm not going to run it before that kid's announced it. I might give a little wink, wink to the VIP message board or something or put in my crystal ball pick, but I'm not going to run an exclusive story or run, um, you know, quotes. And I think the coaches don't want to do that either. The schools don't want to do that either. And, but there was no point in, in time where they felt the need to kind of coordinate that with me. Like, Hey, this is going to happen. And you know, better than to do that. Cause it's just an understanding that, Hey, this is the kid's time. The kids, these recruits, they're going to make the decision. Um, 
As far as visits and stuff, though, I, I never felt I don't recall any time this year where someone reached out and was like, yeah, don't. Yeah. Can you take that down? Do you mind? Uh, we don't want that out there. Um, that happened a couple times. Not not very often previously, of course, like a couple times over, what, eight years before that. So not much then either. Um, it, it's there's a lot of understanding. I think there's a lot of trust. I think maybe, I don't know, there's a couple carryovers from the previous staff in the recruiting department. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, hopefully, um, they're like, hey, this Chris guy's been doing it for a while and he hasn't completely screwed us over yet. So give him a little wiggle room. Um, I'm hoping, but um, no, it's been, it's been fairly similar as far as how the relationship goes uh, between myself and this staff and myself and the previous one. We can agree. The revelation is Vic Koning's gift for quotes, right? (laughs) Yes. Like, I don't think we can repeat some of them that we heard and not like they were profane, but just like observations in the field that we saw were pretty good. Um, I'm not sure he swears to be honest with you. Um, maybe he does, but like I get a vibe that he's very particular, uh, spiritual watches what comes out of his mouth and things like that. Um, he listens to a lot of Joel Osteen from what I understand. Um, as part of his like inspirational messages. In fact, he mentioned that a couple of times this year too, but, uh, I was kind of enthralled sometimes about his Tuesday press conferences or where we probably could have asked two questions and it would have lasted 20 minutes cause he would go on a tangent, but he was pretty interested in, Given us answers, and I felt like he got settled in toward the end. I'm not sure that this is altogether comfortable or even new to him. He might have done it before. He may not be comfortable with it, but I don't know. After like 14 weeks of it, he seemed like he was liking it, but I didn't know any better. And he's great at it, too, like kind of folksy. Um, I mean, this in the nicest way, but like kind of raw, not polished, um, which means normal and authentic to me, and I like that a lot rather than coach speak and things like that, but um, in his own way, boy, he gave you a lot of insight into what was happening and what the team's weaknesses were. And, you know, that was fun for me this year. Uh, I agree. I, I mean, I actually had a couple conversations with him uh, at some point, especially during the summer. And it's a big reason why things were pretty darn clear to me about, you know, kind of where, where West Virginia was focused in recruiting, uh, and what they were looking for, what they might finish with. You know, obviously they added uh, Noah Guzman around the same time that we were at camp. Um, He obviously wasn't talking about him. He can't, but kind of made it clear that they were still looking for someone, someone that could come in and help. And then looking forward, just kind of what they were looking for, for uh, this class. And as you said, it was authentic. There wasn't any, uh, you know, misdirection, no, no nonsense. And, and, just kind of clear, but without giving, Hey, without giving up too much information, just kind of, Hey, this is how it is. And that's that. And you could kind of just draw your own picture from there. Yeah. I hope people understand like why we're hung up on the assistant coaches because like that's, I hope people, I don't know if people get this, but I always talk way more to the assistant coaches than I did the head coach. And that's because they're outnumbered nine or 10 to one. But you know, those are guys who want to get their career going a little bit and they want to get out there and be be seen or heard. Um, they're also humans who can speak and are capable of conversation. So, you know, I used to go into the push car center like in different entrances just because I would always take a different route and, you know, stumble into somebody and they'd stop and we'd talk at the water fountain or pop into their office. And um, because that was what was normal and you get to know them. And the more you see them, the more they trust you. And the more they trust you, they'll tell you things that are either on background or you're maybe you're not going to put to their name, but you can use. Um, and that's been a couple of years since that happened because they, they only made one main entrance into the postcard center. But like, even on practice days where you're around there, like I never go to the same spot. Like, and I'm, I'm going to try to stay away from the crowd is because you might be able to get somebody one-on-one and get like even two minutes with somebody one-on-one. It's, it's normal because there's not 10 or 12 cameras next to you or voice recorders next to you where, Everything that person says is now out there for the public as opposed to if you're just talking with one person, hey, don't print this, but blank. And you fill in those blanks with information that can really kind of forward your friendship a little bit, your relationship a little bit, too. And um, at the same time, you don't really owe anybody anything because they're giving you something that they want, but you're getting something that you want out of it, too. Do you think they'll make assistant coaches available? Not if maybe this year or after? Or do you think this is going to be just kind of the staple moving forward? I think so. Unless there's like some clamor, which isn't going to happen here, but like if there's some clamor from reporters to do more, maybe. Because I think they are open to ideas. Like I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but there was there was one or two times where Brown said, hey, do you guys want to do blank 
uh, before or after practice, or do you want to do it on Saturday or instead of Sunday? And we're like, are, are you talking to us? <laughs> <laughs> and like, he did that. So like, maybe if we said, Hey, we'd like to talk to more coaches. And I know that like, like I was one of the people who was saying, Hey, you got guys who are in their first year and playing a lot. Can we talk to them? And we did. It wasn't because of me, but I think that they realized it was a good idea. So if there's a good idea like that, maybe they will. Um, and we get them regularly in the spring and the fall. It's just that it's in season. It's different. So I don't foresee that changing unless that there's like, I don't know. I don't think the coaches will revolt. I don't think the reporters will either, but eh, maybe if it's a good idea, I think they would think about it, but probably going to be locked down during the season. Well, Mike, we are approaching another hour long podcast that wasn't supposed to be an hour long. Um, but I think we mostly covered everything about kind of, you know, what it was like that first almost full calendar year of covering Neil Brown. Was there anything that, that, that you feel like we missed? Yeah. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to be too negative on like the whole year zero thing or the first year thing or the empty cupboard thing. It's not what I'm trying to do, but like, I think that sometimes it was good though, because I think that people were maybe reluctant or even intimidated to ask questions before because they knew what type or maybe exactly what answer they would get. When I say like fresh start, refreshing start, you didn't know the answers. Maybe you didn't know if you could ask the questions, but like, I think people pretty quickly understood that, you know, Brown, Brown's a pretty, pretty okay guy. And he's not going to get offended if you ask a question that's in the lines, I think. So, um, you know, whether it was clock management stuff or why you did this and, you know, there are a couple of times that you and I talked after a game, like, Oh my gosh, do you hear that answer? Um, but it wasn't bad. It wasn't angry. I think that's, that there's that competitor thing that maybe he was upset that it happened, but he gave the answer to the question that you know, frankly had to be asked too. So, um, I, I do think that'll be interesting to watch over time is that, as results come in and, and shape the narrative one way or the other, you know, how much of this initial year is part of that conversation? We don't know right now. We'll see. So we're predicting a fewer number of good question Mike comments uh, moving forward. Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> it was year one for me too, right? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm going to keep tally of that next year too, I guess. So I think we had – I don't know how many we had this year. You count kind of five, four. I don't know, but yeah, there were a handful for sure. When does he say bad question, Mike? Because I've gotten that before too. Yeah, just shakes his head, doesn't answer. I I, I can't wait to gif that if you don't mind. Well, <laughs> um, that'll wrap us up for today. I, I think that is the end of our four podcast uh, holiday special. Um, well, obviously, or no five because you got the coaching one as well, didn't you? Yeah, that was um that was earlier, or actually later last week. Okay, um, but we'll be back again in the new year with some, maybe even before then. Uh, we got a big basketball game coming up. Yeah, uh, I'll be Ohio there. Uh, Mike will be there, so we will try to podcast after that as well. Share some thoughts uh, before um, Big Twelve play starts uh, and, and the new year starts, and we get into a new round of recruiting, and we get into. Uh, and and everybody kind of you know just chill out. I'm just saying it. Um, potential assistant coaching change situation because that the, is it. The second week of January is when the uh, coaches convention is, and yeah. whenever we get around that, things happen. Um, so no, I'm not hearing anything. I don't know. I don't think Mike's hearing anything, but just heads up that comes around, and then we'll get back for second signing day, and then next thing you know. Uh, March Madness, Spring Ball, so on and so forth. Um, but for now, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, I am Chris Anderson. I am proud of myself for not preaching. <laughs> I, I, I didn't. If I did. No, I, I think I did not mark a single a single one on there. So you <laughs> made it almost. We didn't quite make it an hour on this podcast, but you almost made it the whole way without a single one. So kudos to you, sir. Um, and, and thank you for our listeners. Thanks for listening in. I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, a Merry anything else you might celebrate, and a Happy New Year. I'm Chris Anderson. I'm Mike Casaza. Thanks for listening.